0: Chapter Sixteen of A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nellie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Asterix. A Soldier's Letters to Charming Nellie by J. B. Polly. Chapter Sixteen. A Battle Above the Clouds camp near cleveland tennessee november sixteenth eighteen sixty three a private on picket duty under orders to allow no one to pass inside the confederate lines without giving the countersign was approached by his brigadier general who asked what would you do sir were you to see a man coming up that road toward you "'I should wait, General,' said the Private, "'until he came within twenty feet of me, "'and then halt him and demand the countersign.' "'Very good, very good,' commented the General. "'But suppose twenty men approached by the same road. "'What would you do then?' "'Halt them before they got nearer than a hundred feet, sir, "'and covering them with my gun, "'demand that the officer in command approach and give the countersign.' "'Ah, my brave fellow,' began the general in his most flattering voice, "'I see you are remarkably well posted concerning your duties. "'But let me put still another case. "'Suppose a whole regiment were coming in this direction, "'what would you do in that case?' "'Form a line immediately, sir,' answered the private unhesitatingly "'and without a smile. "'Form a line? Form a line?' Repeated the officer in his most contemptuous tone. What kind of line, I should like to know, could a single man form? A bee line for camp, sir, explained the picket. Your pictures of Texas home life are so attractive as to almost persuade me to form a line myself, but with Texas as the objective point instead of a hateful camp joyfully, indeed, would I say farewell to all quality, pride, pomp, and circumstance of glorious war, could I do it without desertion and disgrace. After reading your letter, I was for a while inclined to think there was both sense and philosophy in the behaviour of a confederate at Chickamauga. When the battle was at its height, and the bullets flying thickest, he stepped behind a tree and while protecting his body extended his arms on each side and waved them frantically to and fro up and down what in the dickens are you doing tom asked an astonished comrade just feeling for a furlough replied tom without a blush and continuing the feeling process as if his life depended upon it while few soldiers actually seek wounds of any character pure still regard a parlour wound that breaks no bones yet disables one temporarily and requires time rest and nursing to heal it as any very serious misfortune such accidents necessitate furloughs and these the ladies of the south by their kindness to both the sick and the well have made blessings to be hoped for prayed for and within safe and patriotic limits, struggled for. Why, sir, that handsome widow and her curly-haired daughter couldn't have been kinder to a son or a brother. They gave me the pleasantest room in the house, brought my meals to it, fed me on chicken and sweet cream with their own hands, dressed my wound half a dozen times a day, and were always ready to play and sing for me, or read and talk to me i wanted to stay a month longer but my darned old finger healed in spite of me that and a great deal more to the same purport was said by lieutenant l when he returned to duty after losing half the nail of his little finger at sharpsburg getting a furlough on the strength of it and fortunately falling into the hands of a wealthy and patriotic virginia lady can you blame a poor fellow if after listening to such a story he is little inclined to feel for a furlough only longstreet knows certainly where we are bound but general opinion favours knoxville as the objective point burnside as the victim should these surmises prove correct you may hear from me next in good old virginia for it is whispered confidentially that bragg and longstreet are at outs and that this movement is intended to make their separation permanent i have often boasted that the fourth texas never showed its back to an enemy but i am more modest since that little affair of october twenty eighth known as the battle of raccoon mountain there the regiment not only showed its back but stampeded like a herd of frightened cattle it being one of those cases when discretion is the better part of valour and instead of being ashamed of the performance we are merry over it raccoon and lookout mountains you must know are separated by lookout creek between the creek and raccoon are half a dozen high parallel ridges whose tops are open and level enough for a roadway and whose thickly timbered sides slope at angles of forty five degrees into deep lonely hollows Hooker's Corps of the Federal Army, coming up from Bridgeport to reinforce Rosecrans, camped on the night of the 28th in the vicinity of Raccoon. Imagining that here was an opportunity to win distinction, General Jenkins proposed to Longstreet to march Hood's division to the west side of Lookout Mountain, and by a night attack capture fighting Joe Hooker and his corps. Longstreet, of course, offered no objections. Success would place as brilliant a feather in his cap as in that of Jenkins, while the blame of defeat would necessarily rest upon the projector of the affair. As for us poor devils in the ranks, we had no business to be there if we hesitated to risk our lives in the interest of commanding officers." the plan of operations appears to have been for benning's anderson's and jenkins's brigade to cross lookout creek two miles above its mouth and forming in line parallel with the tennessee river force the yankees to surrender or drive them into deep water while law's and the texas brigades should occupy positions west of the creek at right angles with the river and prevent them from moving toward lookout mountain and alarming bragg's army what became of the third arkansas and first texas i cannot say every movement being made at night but the fifth texas guarded the bridge across which the fourth marched and thence proceeded in the direction of raccoon mountain climbing up and sliding down the steep sides of intervening ridges until brought to a halt on the moonlit top of the highest and formed in line on the right of an alabama regiment here in blissful ignorance of general jenkins's plans and unwarned by the glimmer of a fire or the sound of a snore that the main body of the enemy lay asleep in the wide and deep depression between them and raccoon the spirits of the gallant texans rose at once to the elevation of their bodies and dropping carelessly on the ground they proceeded to take their ease but not long were they permitted thus to dally with stern and relentless fate a gunshot away off to the left suddenly broke upon the stillness of the night and was followed by others in rapid succession until there was borne to our unwilling ears the roar of desperate battle while the almost simultaneous beating of the long roll in the hitherto silent depths below us the loud shouts of officers and all the indescribable noise and hubbub of a suddenly awakened and alarmed host of men admonished us that we stood upon the outermost verge of a human volcano which might soon burst forth in all its fury and overwhelm us the dolce far niente to which lulled by fancied security and the beautiful night we had surrendered ourselves vanished as quickly as the dreams of the yankees the emergency came unexpectedly but none the less surely scouts dispatched to the right returned with the appalling intelligence that between the regiment and the river half a mile away not a confederate was on guard skirmishers sent to the front reported that the enemy was approaching rapidly and in strong force to add to the dismay thus created the thrilling whisper came from the left that the alabamians had gone hunting for tall timber in their rear thus deserted in a solitude soon to be invaded by a ruthless and devouring horde the cheerless gloom of an exceedingly great loneliness fell upon us like a pall grew intense when not twenty feet away we heard the laborious struggling and puffing of the yankees as on hostile thoughts intent they climbed and pulled up the almost precipitous ascent and became positively unbearable when a dozen or more bullets from the left whistled down the line and the mild beams of the full moon glinting from what seemed to our agitated minds a hundred thousand bright gun-barrels revealed the near and dangerous presence of the hated foe then and there charming nelly deeming it braver to live than to die and moved by thoughts of home and the loved ones awaiting them there the officers and privates of the gallant and hitherto invincible fourth texas stood not upon the order of their going but went with a celerity and unanimity truly remarkable disappeared bodily stampeded nolens volens and plunged recklessly into the umbrageous and shadowy depths behind them their flight hastened by the loud huzzahing of the triumphant yankees and the echoing volleys they poured into the tree-tops high above the heads of their retreating antagonists once fairly on the run down the steep slope voluntary halting became as impossible as it would have been indiscreet dark as it was among the sombre shadows the larger trees could generally be avoided but when encountered as too frequently for comfort they were invariably wrought disaster to both body and clothing but small ones bent before the wild pell-mell rush of fleeing humanity as from the weight and power of avalanche or hurricane the speed at which i travelled let alone the haunting apprehension of being gobbled up by a pursuing blue-coat was not specially favourable to close observation of comrades but nevertheless i witnessed three almost contemporaneous accidents one poor unfortunate struck a tree so squarely and with such tremendous energy as not only to flatten his body against it and draw a sonorous groan from his lips but to send his gun clattering against another tree. As a memento of the collision, he yet carries a face, ragged enough to harmonize admirably with his garments. Another fellow exclaimed, as, stepping on a round stone, his feet slipped from under him, and he dropped to the ground with a resounding thud. "'Help, boys, help!' and then with legs wide outspread went sliding down the hill until in the whole of involuntary attempt to pass on both sides of a tree he was brought to a sudden halt a sit-still so to speak but adventure the third was the most comical of all the human actor in it was a dutchman by the name of brigger a fellow nearly as broad as he is long who always carries a huge knapsack on his shoulders. Aided by this load, he struck a fair-sized sapling with such resistless momentum that the little tree bent before him and straddling it and exclaiming jesus christ and god almighty with long-drawn and lingering emphasis on the first syllable of the first word he described a parabola in the air and then dropped to the ground on all fours and continued his downward career in that decidedly unmilitary fashion his was the novelty and roughness of the ride But, alas, mine was all the loss, for as the sapling tumbled him off and essayed to straighten itself, it caught my hat and flung it at the man in the moon. Whether it ever reached its destination I am unable to say, for time, inclination, and ability to stop were each sternly prohibited by the accelerating influence of gravitation and the exigency of the occasion. Anyhow, I am now wearing a cap manufactured by myself out of the nethermost extremity of a woollen overshirt and having for a frontispiece a generous slice of stirrup leather Colonel Bain well deserves the loss he has sustained. He is not only careless about his saddle but of his head as well, on which he still bears a reminder of the battle of Raccoon Mountain in the shape of a very sore and red bump. I enclose some drawings which, if not artistic, certainly have the merit of being so graphic as to leave much to the imagination. In my salad days at Florence, Alabama, I persuaded Professor Pruskowski to organize and teach a class in perspective drawing. While refusing to charge for his services, he reserved the right to dismiss any member of the class whom he found lacking in talent. I was the first to advocate this privilege, also the first and only one of the class to be dismissed. Then I was satisfied that he judged correctly, but now I am doubtful. But, to return to my story, although I lost my hat, I neither lost physical balance, nor collided with a tree sufficiently sturdy to arrest a fearfully swift descent, as did many of my comrades the scars imprinted upon the regimental physiognomy by large and small monarchs of the forest are yet numerous and in some instances were at first so disguising that the wearers were recognisable for the next day or two only by their melodious voices honours were so easy in that respect between the members of the command officers as well as privates that when they at last emerged from the darkness of the woods and taking places in line began to look at each other and recount experiences the shouts of laughter must have reached old joe hooker one poor fellow though was too sore downcast and trampled upon to be joyful he was a litter-bearer named d six long feet in height and falstaffian in abdominal development his position in the rear gave him the start in the retreat, and his avoirdupois enabled him to brush aside every obstacle to rapid descent. But his judgment was disastrously at fault. Forgetting a ditch which marked the division line of descent of one hill and ascent of the other, he tumbled into it broadcast. The fall knocked all the breath out of him, and he could only wriggle over on his broad back and make a pillow for his head of one bank and a resting-place for his number twelve feet of the other so that his body appeared as the trunk of a fallen tree scarcely however had he assumed this comfortable position when bill calhoun came plunging down the hill with a velocity that left a good-sized vacuum in the air behind him noticing the litter-bearer's body and taking it to be what it appeared Bill took the chances of it spanning the ditch and made such a tremendous leap that he landed one huge foot right in the middle of the unfortunate recumbent's corporosity the sudden compression produced as sudden artificial respiration and giving vent to an agonized grunt d sang out for the lord almighty's sake man don't make a bridge of a fellow Bill was startled, but never lost his presence of mind, and shouting back, Lie still, old fellow, lie still, the whole regiment's got to crush yet, and you'll never have such another chance to serve your beloved country, continued his flight with a speed but little abated by the rising ground before him. End of chapter 16